0: Welcome back to Identity Insights by Indicio. I am your host, Tim Spring, and today I'm joined by Indicio Deputy CTO Sam Curran, and he's here to discuss the basics of DIDCOM. Uh, this is the third of our three-part series on DIDCOM. In the first, we sought to understand the general concepts and goals of DIDCOM. In the second, we took a deeper technical dive into how the tech works. And in this one, we'll be looking at the business side of things with applications, use cases, and practicality. Thank you again for joining me here today, Sam. I know I've asked you about yourself previously, but for those who haven't seen those episodes, uh, would you mind giving us a brief recap?
1: Yes. So I uh, am... uh... Sam Kern, obviously, I uh, I work uh, with the Hyperledger Aries community as a community organizer, um, as well as uh, I'm a, an architect for a DCO. Um That's that's where I get paid, um, and then I I'm also heavily involved in Didcom. I have been since the beginning, both uh, sort of with its birth within the Aries project, and then its its uh, formalization is is Didcom v2 inside of the um, inside of the Decentralized Identity Foundation in a working group for that purpose. So, topic near and dear to my heart. Awesome.
0: Well, no, happy to have you back uh, once again with us. Uh, So we've discussed a bit about how Didcom works and to some extent, some of the cool things that you can do with it. Uh, I was wondering if we could start today off with talking a little bit about the practicality of Didcom. And from a leadership perspective, you know, why should they take an interest in Didcom? Uh, Will it provide cost savings, competitive advantage? You know, what is kind of the
1: draw of Didcom? Yeah, for sure, uh, one immediately obvious one is cost savings uh, there's uh, an incredible amount of fraud um, and uh, and fishing and, and other sorts of, uh, of attacks. Um, on on insecure communication and and, uh, and so fraud reduction is a massive uh, part of that um, and so uh, there's there's a lot of money to be saved there, but there's also a lot of competitive advantage in the types of interactions that you can have with your customers. Um, in a secure and trusted way. And so and the competitive advantage leads to additional revenue as you're offering things and in, in conveniences that your competitors are not um, because of building them on top of didcom based protocols.
0: Absolutely. Uh would you mind giving us maybe a couple examples of what that competitive advantage might look like in, you know, say some different scenarios, maybe a financial institution or you know, just your run-of-the-mill business, what would that kind of look like in your mind?
1: Uh, Absolutely, Uh, one that will talk about is uh, is customer loyalty programs that you most of us uh, have contacted with this by uh, giving our. uh, Our phone number when we get to the grocery store in order to like get a couple bucks off our ice cream or or whatever we're doing right that's that's the the most common customer loyalty program that we run into but there's there's certainly others and. um, And most of those loyalty uh, programs are sort of built upon the ability to observe you without your direct interaction we uh, now it's legally usually required to give consent for that sort of a thing. But they 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 kind of observe you for the, to 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 learn what they can do, and, and that's fine. Businesses need to like understand who their customers are, but they're missing a huge opportunity to directly connect with with customers in, in a more useful way and and reach out in a personalized way instead of instead of like a mass marketing kind of way. Here's an example. Um, the um, the local grocery store does case lot sales so uh, once a year they'll do larger bulk items of things, and you can sign up in advance and you can get a, a substantially cheaper rate if you're buying like multiple cases, you know one or more cases of, of something. Uh, you know canned green beans or wh- whatever it might be, and so, for people that want to stock up and have some food storage it's a it's a much cheaper way to buy common things that they do. But right now, you have to basically happen by the store when the case lot sales going on and then kind of go through a uh, go through a process there that's not really intuitive and they do have the opportunity to recognize um as a customer they already they already know what i buy they already know that i buy canned green beans or as the case may be or, or whatever and they have the opportunity to to reach out to me and say hey during our case lot sale uh would you be interested in these specific items and not blast me with everything that they have available although they could you know that's that's not a bad thing to sort of make available, but the real messaging they want to give is like, hey, here's things that you may have ordered before, either in a case lot sale or not. Are these things you'd like to participate in our case lot sale? And because it's arriving not as a uh, a spam generalized marketing message or anything else, but it's arriving over like a trusted connection that I have with with the store in this case then then this is something that I have more control over receiving and so and so I, the, it is not subject to the same amount um, or, or the, the same spam tactics, for example, which means I'm much more likely to see and engage in that. And because that's a secure channel I can respond to them and say yeah I'd like five. And they know that they, they know the relationship that they have with me without me having to like fill out of forms or a bunch of other weird stuff, which means that now they have a, a record of what I would like. Um, I know that 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 they saw that information. Uh, you know, I could be provided a receipt over the same thing, for example, um, and or a, or a summary of my order, and so things like that would be so much more rich as a, as an interaction, um, and and that's the kind of thing that we could have in the future. If you think about, um, it's interesting because in the fast food industry, we have companies like Uber Eats that, uh, at the surface, they deliver food to your to your house from a like a restaurant right but what they're really doing is managing the relationship uh between the fast food company that generally has no broad understanding of the customer relationship and the customer itself in fact you can even use um in a lot of cases you can even use uber eats but then go pick it up yourself so it's weird that you're ordering through a company and then just doing the footwork yourself on that and 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 most companies are so bad at this actual direct integration with a customer that you have other companies stepping in to fill that gap and, and, and by having that that ability natively, uh, by using didcom-powered protocols, you can have that competitive advantage naturally instead of forking over money to a third party in order to make that happen.
0: No, that seems absolutely massive. Uh, so sorry to summarize there. It sounds like it could be much more targeted, which is you know usually effective, right? That's what kind of what people want and stuff that they actually care about.
1: Wait, so targeted yeah. is actually the wrong term because targeted yeah. makes you feel like you're narrowing in. This is a one-to-one interaction. It's that business interacting with me as an individual consumer. And and so as long as you what you mean by targeted is one person, then, then it works. But targeted usually means like, well, a narrow. A narrower spectrum of the broad population, and it's so. So I, I I even argue that targeted is kind of the wrong term there because it's based on this one to one individual relationship, the way people normally interact. If I walk up to the grocery store and I talk to someone at the service counter or I'm talking to the to the checker, we're both people, <laughs> and we're engaged, of course, in this. You know, I'm buying something at the grocery store. They work for the grocery store. But that connection is the type of thing that we as humans do all the time, yet the digital tools that we have and the technologies available to us are, are actually terrible at, at enabling and replicating that one-to-one relationship that we have in the real life. Okay, interesting.
0: Now that sounds like definitely it would be a competitive advantage, right? You'd much rather buy from the guy that knows you than you know some faceless corporation, uh, to use your example, like Uber, right? Just managing that relationship. Uh, totally. So. Uh, So, we've briefly touched on use cases, and obviously, right, you kind of gave me an example there. Uh, But if you want to use Didcom today, right, I know that that was kind of maybe a hypothetical, maybe that's already possible today. Uh, But I was curious, like, where do we stand kind of now if you want to try and implement Didcom?
1: Absolutely. So, there's a variety of ways you can get involved depending on uh, kind of what your capacity or interest is. Um, The largest project that uses Didcom is the Hyperledger Aries project. Uh, It's a project uh, organized around creating agent code uh that uses didcom um and other protocols to uh to enable uh trusted interactions and in exchange of trusted information uh verifiable credentials are involved but also other types of interactions as well um and so that uh that project another notable uh, project is vermo which came out of the ethereum ethereum community which has DidCom support um and uh there's also libraries for didcom that exist in a variety of languages so that you can do some direct integration if you don't want to sort of start from an existing project um like that um, and all of this is open source uh good licensing no royalties of any kind and so you're you can you can get involved with with no permission and no paying of money to anybody um and so uh it runs in a variety of environments it's not like it has to be run in the cloud or or in a specific environment there's lots of flexibility there and for those that are not interested in in or incapable they don't have the the staff numbers for example to to get directly involved um, then there are companies that exist to help you with that um, uh, i'm wearing my indico hat instead of my didcom hat a DCO is um, is one of those and and we or any of the other companies would love to to help you get involved and to uh, to apply this to your project
0: all right and what does the typical project kind of look like is there a you know a timeline to implementation you could kind of talk about or uh, you know, how long does it take to build something? You know, using this te- kind of technology.
1: Right, so that's a good open question. Um, it, it spans the it spans the spectrum. Uh, a good comparison is thinking about like, you know, creating a new website, for example, or, or even rehabbing an old one. Um, uh, you can turn around a small project in a very short amount of time, um, with really narrow goals, you know exactly what you're doing, um, and, and that's something that you can make happen uh, very fast. Um, the, uh, but a super large website would take a, a long time, perhaps even years, to reach a full vision of what you really want it to be. Um, and, and did come projects are the same in that uh, very simple ones that you're going after can be can be accomplished, uh, you know, quite simply more complicated and involved, uh, you know projects might take quite a while to to reach, a, a, you know, sort of the full um, deployment that you imagine um, there, of course, it's possible to grow that and so we advise people to start smaller uh, pick something that, that is valuable to you um, that makes sense and works. Um, implement that. And then you can, you'll learn a lot in the process and you can build on to that as you I- expand the project. So it's a little hard to give you an exact one. Um, you can turn around, you know, uh, small projects in, in, in days, uh, you know, and much larger projects can take years.
0: So I know you mentioned that, right, this is an open source project. It's being worked on by a bunch of different groups. Uh, and obviously you're kind of very familiar with it. Uh, are there any things that you could point to where like, hey, you might not be able to do that today, but maybe six months, a year from now, like what are the next goals of the the Didcom project?
1: Um, so that's good. One area that is... It, it, there's already some beginnings of this, but it's not deployed as widely as certainly I would I would like. Um, is the is using DIDCOM for uh, notification and confirmation of things within systems. This is a relatively straightforward thing to do, um, but but there's huge advantages. Uh, currently, um, notification systems and confirmation systems tend to use insecure technologies like email or SMS. And uh, and that's the source of a lot of fraud and a lot of lost money um, because of because of that fraud uh, that, that happens. And so, um, it, using uh, secure Didcom connections and, and communication between parties to notify you of things that occur, like a transfer on your bank account, or your package is ready to be picked up, or um, you know anything that occurs, you know the, the the project, you know your your product is shipped, um, would be. Uh, would be a really good application for that type of a notification, as well as confirmations. Sometimes something will happen in a system, and it's it's important enough that you want to be able to confirm that action. So again, for a bank analogy, you know you could uh, configure in a bank so that if you uh, transfer more than a certain amount of money from one account to another, that they would send you a message to confirm that that was. You know the the most common form that we get. Um, Uh, of this today is when the credit card company sends you a text and said hey did you just spend 67 dollars at whatever whatever store because it triggered a possible fraud thing within their system and they're reaching out to confirm whether that's accurate or not Um, and so doing those types of confirmations over didcom avoids the the insecurity problems that, that come from these these untrusted forms of communication kind of deal with it um, and 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 security companies and, and credit card companies, etc, they sort of metabolize and, and absorb the cost of the fraud that comes from this, but they shouldn't have to. We should have a reliable way to know that the message got to where I wanted to and, and it's coming back and it was secure and unobservable in, in, in the path. Um, and, and SMS unfortunately just isn't that technology, the 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 easiness of of, uh, of getting SIM cards cloned and things like that um, ends up, you know, causing problems and. It seems like every every six months there's some celebrity that gets hit by one of these uh, these fraud tactics and that doesn't have to be the case so there's lots of really magical things that I could talk about from a business case but but really practical in that I existed. I wish existed more was simply using something like Didcom, come um, well did since we're here talking about it for secure confirmations and notifications of things that happen in your systems. Okay.
0: And I think you touched on it really briefly there, but I think it's worth kind of going into that a little deeper is what exactly makes it different from that SMS message and why is it more secure? Uh, if you could talk uh, about that a little
1: bit. Totally. So. Um, uh, SMS um, relies on the the good behavior of the cell phone network in order to not lie to you. Um, and that's getting a little bit better. But it's still entirely possible, for example, to send you a text message from a from a number that I don't have. I could send you one from the White House switchboard or I can, you know, se- send you one from someone else, um, which means that you have an authentication problem. I don't actually know who's sending me that message uh, quite directly, um, which means that I don't know how much trust to put in it. and And that's a problem. Um, it did come as based uh, on uh, encryption that uh, that is mutually authenticated, meaning in the process of decrypting a message from someone else, I g- gain cryptographic confidence of the pr- of the of the private key that was actually used to send that message to me. Um, and in doing so, I, of course, I don't learn the private key, but but I gain confidence through the association with the public key that that is in fact uh, the person that, 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 that sent it to me. So if I have prior knowledge that that uh, that, that uh, key belongs to the other trusted party because i've confirmed it or other sorts of software assistance that that helps with these sort of things. Um, uh, then, then I can be sure that that did actually come from my bank or that did actually come from the grocery store, instead of someone that just was pretending to be um, and, and to try and get me to do something um, that uh, you know, because of my trust in the in the original organization. Um, and in that one feature, the ability to have that uh, mutually authenticated encryption uh, back and forth between parties uh, means that other people can't observe it. But it also means that that you can't, without you know, crack cracking the cryptography, which is insanely hard. You can't pretend to be somebody else in an effective way. And and, and that alone, that feature alone, is the is the really powerful piece of doing this. Now, it's it's built um there's there's lots of people that have sort of solved this problem but they've solved this problem in a very centralized way meaning if you use this exact ecosystem or this or, or this exact product we can solve that problem for you uh because this is built on on dids and their did documents and DIDCOM, um then it, it's done in a way that uh, that supports a uh you know a a, a flexible ecosystem of technologies that doesn't mean you're like locked into licensing or or figuring out sort you know, or or paying some company to solve this problem for you. It's architecturally solved because of the technologies and the open standards that it's built on. Okay. Uh,
0: So I know that right, Indicio has started to use Didcom and is looking to use Didcom more in our technology. I'm curious if you could talk about why that's so important. It feels like it could have been like part of your, your previous answer obviously was uh, was right because it's secure and cryptographically proven and all that, but- uh,
1: It is, but the interesting part is not the technical bits it's what happens because of the technical bits, we believe that the future of the Internet needs a secure digital communication. Um, and that's not just online we tend to think about digital things being online but but there's there's far more than that um an increasing number of our in-person interactions are actually digital as well um whether we're uh, you know interacting through an app with another person or we're coordinating payment we, you know we're, we're using our phones to pay for something um stuff like that uh, there, there's more digital interactions um uh that are happening including like badging into a through a security door at your company right that's also a, a digital communication interaction and we need more of that in um, the internet because of its history. We've talked about this uh, a little bit in the past and in other places. The, the internet didn't come with that built in, and we believe that there needs to be some fundamental introductions—not things band-aided on—but we need the development of technologies that do this as, sort of as a core feature. And 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 we believe that DIDCOM is is the technology that we've got now that that enables that, um, so that we can have trusted digital interactions and trusted digital relationships um regardless of whether we're in person or online and 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 that's the type of thing that we that we need to do so we use didcom not because of the technical aspects directly but because of what the technical aspects provide us and our customers in the use of them and that's the important bit we need trusted relationships and trusted communication to happen on the internet and it needs to happen in a way that isn't bound to a specific proprietary technology or you know, licensing fees paid to some organization or some centralized, uh, you know, body involved. These technologies provide all the features that we've talked about without any of the downsides of of being based on on a sort of traditional, you know, vendor offered technology um, that that is not open source and based on open standards. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so.
0: Uh, right. You kind of touched on it a little bit there, but, uh, I was wondering if you could talk about how, right, this is an open source project and therefore is contributed to by a bunch of different people from all over the place. Uh, I'm curious if you could talk about kind of the benefits that really exist for companies using this kind of technology is right. Obviously the open source and who knows who's contributing to it. And are there any downsides or just things to be aware of when using, uh, similar technologies?
1: Yeah. So, um, open source is, um, it's a fantastic, uh, Business model approach to software, and the people doing open source don't tend to think about the business models of it. They're a bunch of you know nerds working stuff out, but but the the really uh, it is a business model because it means that companies invest in the development of software, but rather than holding that software back, they contribute it to the community, and and it helps. Uh, it it takes to have an effective open source community. You need businesses willing to fund involvement in uh, in these these technologies. Uh, and then and then do so in an open way so that everyone can benefit. Um, the the really there's a handful of really useful uh, features that that open source provides, and one of them is that the source is available, um, which means it, it's it's uh, the highest amount of scrutiny is available um, on the on the code and on the approaches itself. Which means that if uh, you can't really you can't really lie about what it does because people be just go look at the source and, and and find out if you're lying or not. Which means that the the software either has the features or it doesn't have the features. Um, or does things in a particular way or doesn't, which means when we're in today's world where we're focused on, um, uh, on privacy and, and phone home technologies and, and, and we're unhappy about software that's doing things behind our back, there's not an opportunity for things to be done behind our back in open source software. Another business benefit is the continuity of service. Um, if you come to a vendor um, including in DCO and you uh, want to get software services from us you're relying on our continued existence as a business and um, sometimes businesses go out of business, but the other thing that happens is sometimes they get acquired and and sometimes priorities change and 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 the new company no longer wants to, to fund an area of development and. Um, and, and that's uh, that turns into a problem there's a slightly graceful way out of that and that the company could choose to open source the technology at that point. But the problem is, is that when they do that it's kind of like delivered as a almost as a dead project, meaning we're not going to support this anymore, so if anyone w- wants the remains of this project they're, they're welcome to come build on that. A better strategy is to build on software that's open source all along because there's a developed Community around that code base, which means that there's likely to be other vendors. That can support you in those technologies, as well as um, uh, you know, as as well as the ability to dive in if necessary or if desired, and and actually be directly involved as a company. So uh, those are those are some of the benefits, and it, and it's pretty powerful. Um, we we believe in open source here at DCO because we want to, uh, and and what we do as a as a company is help people. Um, adopt open source technologies, and to do that, we we package it up and we make it a little bit easier to do um, to do these things. But uh, but we we actively contribute back to all of the open source projects that we draw upon because. We want that to be a healthy ecosystem, and we want people to not be afraid of being involved in the technology because they're uncertain about a vendor that out of necessity is relatively young, you can't find a decentralized identity SSI company that's been in business for 25 years because the technology hasn't been around for 25 years right so um, so having some confidence in the in the continuation of the technology is good some of the challenges that come along with that open source is that you have to understand that open source is is a thing a lot of people think oh open source it's free which is technically true there's no licenses you have to pay or anything there Uh, but it's a mistake to think that uh, you shouldn't be involved in contributing to these open source projects um, and 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 may need to because you might want a feature that it just isn't available or hasn't been provided by by other folks and so. Um, on, on the plus side, you are capable of adding the feature to the software that you want on, on the on the flip side it's your responsibility to do so, if no one's going to step up and do it for you. Um, and so this is this is really about sort of joining a coalition of community members that are oriented around a code base to make this happen. Um, uh, to. Um, to to make it occur. So, um, the other thing that I have to mention here is that Didcom is a younger technology than lots of the technologies that exist on the internet. Right. So, HTTP APIs have been around for a while, um, and uh, and Didcom has been around for years, but not not as many years as these these other approaches have been that are a little bit more familiar. And so. Um, when you are coming to something that is new um, it's a different architectural approach um, it's a it's a it's a younger community, not in the sense that it was born like last month, but, but in the sense that it hasn't had the full lifetime uh, that, that like http has in order to develop. And so um, the, sometimes you find spots that are a little rougher on the edges, the documentation is not is as clear as it could be your or there's a there's a missing piece of a library that you would like to exist that doesn't yet um, those things will come. And if you would like, you can wait for those to come along. But if you wait, you're going to lose the competitive advantages and all the and all the cost savings um, and the you other know, things that we talked about that can come by the use of the technology. So it's not it's not a reason to not use it. You just want to be aware uh, as you as you adopt these technologies that uh, that because it is newer, it's going to take a little more effort than some of the more established technologies in order to to implement it and uh, and and make those things happen inside your project. That's so, right. You mentioned that DIDCOM is
0: kind of that younger community. Uh, and right, since open source software is you know kind of built by the community, I'm curious how many people are kind of working on it, or if you could take a guess at like the size of the Didcom you know initiative currently.
1: So a guess is necessary. Uh, typically in communities like this, uh, if you have um, to, to make the percentages easy, if you have a hundred people that are involved or and in using the project. Then, then ten of them are actually going to be vocal uh, about it, meaning they'll show up to meetings, they'll post issues um, on the code, et cetera. And then one of those people is actually like an active contributor to the to the uh, to the source code directly. It's it's a instead of sort of an active observer, it's an active participant. and so that's a bit of a rule of thumb when it comes to sort of visibility of communities. Um, and so uh, we uh, regularly have. Um, so there are DICOM spec. Uh, there's a DIDCOM spec working group which uh, meets a little less regularly now that the DICOM v2 has has been stamped. Um, and then there's a DIDCOM users group at the DIF um in attendance there it's a little harder during the during the summer season because of uh, vacations and everything else but we we regularly have um you know 15 people in attendance there um and then if if uh and then of course you have the other projects that use it so uh, i mentioned vermo and, and of course the Hyperledger Indy Pro- project that uses it and in those meetings uh within Aries, um and these are the people that are using it not necessarily seeking to contribute to it directly um uh number the the regular meeting participation at those meetings probably collectively is is on the order of maybe 70 um, 70 to a 100 and that's like either weekly or bi-weekly depending on the cadence of those meetings um, and those are the people that are actually uh, actively participating. Um, it's delightful to me when it when when I hear about a project or someone that's doing something with Didcom that like I didn't know of and they're like, Hey, I did this cool thing. Do you wanna see it? I'm like, Yes, I do <laughs> because I'm a huge fan of the technology, of course. And so I love discovering Uh, New things that I didn't know that happens and so there's a lot of projects like that that are kind of lurking people are just doing their thing within a business or whatever else and don't necessarily surface it up for the rest of the community. Um, We love it when people do that it's super uh, fun uh, and motivational to see that happen. Um, So uh, those are some numbers you can kind of extrapolate a little bit about uh, about you know regular attendance and contribution and and things like that. Um, So it is it is uh, still young technology, but it has I need to stress this it it is production ready. it is in production applications today um it is being used across code bases um you know written in various places it's a it's a successful technology from that perspective this isn't an idea this is a this is a a a usable and deployed technology today um that, that provides these advantages so when i say young i don't mean immature i just mean that when you're trying to compare you know with technologies that have been around for decades where we can't compete on the decades thing because it is newer than that
0: no, absolutely. I think 70 to 100 people, either weekly or bi weekly, actively showing up to, to really work on and care about this technology is awesome.
1: And that um, leads to hundreds of people that are actively involved, but Jim's just, just not showing up. Yeah. Right. Sometimes because the world is inconveniently round and the meetings that are a really <laughs> inconvenient time for their time zone.
0: Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, well, it looks like that is about our time for today. Uh, if you at home are interested in learning a bit more about verifiable credential technology, uh, please be sure to subscribe to the channel. We'll continue to bring you some more educational content. If you have questions or specific topics that you'd like for us to cover, go ahead and leave a comment below. We'll be sure to read and address them. And thank you again to you, Sam. Uh, we'll make sure to include the same links as before to make sure that everyone can learn more about DIDCOM and how to get involved. Uh, are there any particular thoughts or key takeaways that you would like to stress for the business audience?
1: Um, join us. This is a powerful technology. Um, you uh, obviously need some technical folks, either by by you know business partners or or within your organization, to to take advantage of this. Um, but it is a powerful technology, and it's uh, ready to use today.